Bismillah, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu salam ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wala, amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, fantastic. So, uh, today inshallah we are continuing with hadith number 10 inshallah ta'ala. Hadith number 10 is reported by Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And since we talked about who he was before, we're not going to do it again. And uh, he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned what? Ayyuhal nas. إِنَّ اللَّهَ طَيِّبٌ لَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ فَقَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا الرُّسُلُ كُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا إِنِّي بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ وَقَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُلُوا مِنْ طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقْنَاكُمْ ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ الرَّجُلَ يُطِيلَ السَّفَرَ أَشْعَثَ أَغْبَرَ يَمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ يمد يديه إلى السماء يا ربي يا ربي ومطعمه حرام ومشربه حرام وملبسه حرام وغذي بالحرام فأنا يستجاب لذلك. So the hadith says that the Prophet says أيها الناس O people so he's speaking to a large group and he says إن الله طيب لا يقبل إلا طيب that Allah is طيب can mean pure or good in this in this instance we're going to go with pure. Allah Ta'ala is pure, لا يقبل إلا طيب And He doesn't accept anything except that which is pure. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And indeed Allah Ta'ala has commanded the believers بِمَا أَمَرَ بِهِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ With what He commanded the messengers. فَقَالَ So then He cites two ayat of Qur'an. The first one is in Surah Mu'minun, Surah 23, ayah number 51, where it says, يَا إِهُوَ الرُّسُلُ O messengers, Allah is speaking to the messengers, O messengers, eat from that which is كُلُوا مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا And do good deeds إِنِّي بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٍ Because uh, indeed, with, with regards to whatever you do, I am fully aware. And also Allah says, يَا يُلَذِينَ آمَنُوا O you have believed. كُلُوا مِنْ طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقَنَاكُمْ Eat from that which is طَيِّب, that which is pure, from what I have provided for you. So, and we'll continue. Then, then the Messenger وسلم, الرَّجُلَ Then he mentioned a man, يُطِيلُ السَّفَرْ That had, was on a long journey. فَأَشْعَثَ وَأَغْبَرَ That his hair was disheveled and he was covered in dust. يَمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ That he raised his hands to the sky. And he said what? يَا رَبْ يَا رَبْ O my Lord, O my Lord, O my Master, O my Master. He's calling out to Allah. وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ And his food is unlawful, haram. وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامٌ His drink is unlawful. وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ And his clothes are unlawful and haram. وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامٌ And he has been nourished by haram. فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ لِذَلِكَ So how could he be responded to? Uh, how then could his supplication be responded to? So that is the hadith that we will be analyzing today, inshallah ta'ala, in a little more detail. So the first thing we want to a- analyze is, the Prophet, the Prophet ﷺ says what? إِنَّ اللَّهَ الطَّيِّبُ وَلَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا That Allah Ta'ala is pure and only accepts that which is pure. What does this imply? طَاهِر, طَيِّب, pure. It means that... The human being, he, he will, his deeds will not be accepted. Allah Ta'ala is pure. Uh, and therefore, Al-Quddus, that's one of the names of Allah, the, the holy, the pure. Uh, and Allah Ta'ala will not accept from a human being, except that which is pure from any sort of, uh, 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 you could say, showing off, ostentation. Pure from any sort of haram actions, going against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. And it has to be something that includes taqwa. It has to have God consciousness. You, you can't be doing it frivolously. It's, as long, it has to be done with the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. 
and with fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is, uh, and in a way that you are trying to protect yourself from Allah ta'ala's anger and wrath. This is something that the believer has within them. In fact, Allah ta'ala mentions, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ وَقَالَ إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ That Allah ta'ala mentions, this is in the story of Habil wa Qabil, Cain and Abel, uh, as mentioned in, in the Bible, that, that when one of them, his deeds were accepted, and the other one, his deeds were rejected, when Abel's deeds were accepted and Cain's deeds were rejected, that... Uh, that, uh, what's his name, uh, Cain, he says to him that, uh, he says, I'm going to kill you. And then so, uh, Habil, uh, Habil, he says in response, that Cain, uh, Abel says in response, that indeed Allah only accepts from people of taqwa. That means you have to have a level of taqwa, God consciousness and God fearing, if you want your deeds to be accepted. That means that you know, you're protecting yourself from doing it in a haram way. You're protecting yourself from doing it with the wrong intention. You're protecting yourself from doing it in a way that is un- unacceptable to Allah Ta'ala. So this is what Allah accepts when our deeds are purely for Him. What does it mean that when Allah Ta'ala accepts a deed? What does that imply? So we understand what it means that Allah, Allah Ta'ala might reject a deed. What does it mean that a, a deed is accepted? It means that Allah is pleased with it. It means that Allah Ta'ala informs and in brags to the angels about it. It means that there is reward for it in the akhirah, in dunya and in akhirah, inshaAllah. And it also uh, means uh, that the person who has done it has been uh, marked as somebody who has performed their obligation. So let's say if we're talking about specifically obligatory actions, then when it's accepted, it means that this deed is no longer uh, marked against you. Rather, you've done your obligation, and therefore uh, you are free from any sort of punishment for missing your obligations. So these are all different implications behind what? Behind the idea of acceptance. Now, what happens when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts a pure deed? As we said, you know, he is pleased with it, he informs the angels about it, it is rewarded, the person is no, no longer considered uh, uh, under obligation. But in addition to all that, subhanAllah, there's a beautiful hadith that mentions in which the Prophet says what? That Allah Ta'ala gives so much barakah and so much blessing to that deed. And so what is the hadith? It says, it is in Bukhari, مَن تَصَدَّقَ بِعَدْلِ تَمْرَةٍ مِنْ كَسْبٍ طَيِّبٍ That whoever gives charity, even the equivalent of a date, of from pure earnings. Again, the word tayyib comes up. From pure earnings. As in, there's no haram in this money. And then he even goes on to mention again, وَلَا يَقْبَلُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا إِلَّا الطَّيِّبِ And Allah does not accept anything except that which is pure. And then the hadith continues, وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَتَقَبَّلُهَا بِيَمِينِهِ ثُمَّ يُرَبِّيهَا لِصَاحِبِهِ كَمَا يُرَبِّي أَحَدُكُمْ فَلُوَّهُ حَتَّى Allah Ta'ala, what does He do? He takes it and accepts it in His right. Now, Wallahu Alam, uh, the implication is in His right hand. Now, when it comes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, we don't do tashbih, we don't do tamthil, right? We don't say, oh, Allah Ta'ala's hand is like my hand or your hand or anything like this. We say, when it comes to the sifat, when it comes to the qualities of Allah Ta'ala, this is beyond our comprehension. So, when Allah Ta'ala says He takes it with the right, then we just say, that means, we, we leave it at that. That's what it means. Just take it as is. They obviously, why? Simply because Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that is like Him. So that you can't imagine this. But anyway, still, Allah Ta'ala takes this deed and accepts this deed. And what does He do with it? ثُمَّ يُرَبِّيهَا لِصَاحِبِهِ Then He uh, develops it and enlarges it. 
Tarbiya, tarbiya is when you develop, you know, that's what, that's what uh, parents do for kids or, or teachers do for their students. They do tarbiya, they develop them so that they can go from one stage to the next in a healthy way, right? So, yurabbiha uh, means that Allah Ta'ala is giving tarbiya, is, is like the way you would pour water on a plant and make sure it gets good sunlight and, and you know, etc., etc. You're, you're bringing it up, you're, you're raising it up from one stage to the next. Allah Ta'ala does this with a good deed, subhanAllah, even as small as giving a date or anything equivalent to that. The smallest thing you could think of, basically. The tiniest good deed, subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala builds it up and builds it up and builds it up. And then till what? And, and it says, كَمَا أَحَدُكُمْ فَلُوهُ Just the, similar to the way you guys would raise up a, a young horse of yours. So obviously, the Sahaba, they knew about horses and raising their, their animals to a point where they're strong and they could ride and you could ride them into battle, etc., etc. They, they were familiar with these ideas. So like, you know how you guys take care of your animal well and feed it well and, you know, make sure it's, it, it, it's, it's healthy and, you know, uh, free from any sort of defects and problems. You take care of your animals, you want to make it grow into something great, right? Well, in that same way, in a similar way, Allah Ta'ala does what? Allah Ta'ala will build upon your good deeds in such a way where subhanAllah, it will grow and grow and grow hatta what? Hatta takuna mithl al-jabal until it becomes like a mountain. SubhanAllah. This is, and we, we, you can see this. You can see how a person MashaAllah, I can think of one person uh, who actually said to himself I know you are going to be recording lots of videos. And inshallah, hopefully one day people will see them. So you know what? I want to buy the camera. So obviously this is more than just the, the cost of a date, but it just reminded me, mashallah, may Allah bless him. Somebody said, I want to be the person that, you know, makes sure that I give you the ability to record this and spread this to others. Why? Because that way every single time uh, uh, this is used, inshallah, I get the ajr for it. So it's as if Allah Ta'ala took a certain amount of money, but then subhanAllah found a way for it to be you know, a multiplied in reward again and again and again. This is just something that comes to my mind personally. I'm sure we can all come up with our own examples. You know, an example of something that, subhanAllah, you put some money towards the masjid, how many people go and pray in that masjid? How many people go and make dua in that masjid? How many people have their sins forgiven in that masjid? How many different iftars are going to be taking place in that masjid, for example? And so on and so forth. You know, you, you, you put money into, into something, and then subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala can put barakah in it and make it grow and grow and grow, subhanAllah. So this is what it means that Allah Ta'ala accepts it. May Allah Ta'ala accept our deeds. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Now, if a deed is rejected, does that mean that the obligation is no longer upon you? Now, there's an interesting hadith with this regard. The Prophet did, did mention, this is uh, a uh, sahih hadith in Ibn Majah. مَنْ شَرِبَ الْخَمْرَ وَالسَّكِرَ لَمْ تُقْبَلْ لَهُ صَلَاةٌ أَرْبَعِينَ صَبَاحًا وَإِنْ مَاتَ دَخَلَ النَّارِ فَإِنْ تَابَ تَابَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ And this hadith goes on, it's a lengthy hadith, but that's just the beginning portion. It says, whoever drinks wine and gets drunk, his prayer will not be accepted for 40 days. And if he dies, he will enter the fire. And if he repents, then his uh, repentance will be, Allah will accept it from him. So this hadith is saying that if you get drunk, your prayer is not accepted for 40 days. So somebody might say to themselves, okay, then I just won't pray for 40 days because I know I'll just mark it that only after 40 days, then I'll start praying my five daily salawat. That's not the case. The obligation is still upon you. You still have to do it. And if you don't, you're, you're going to be sinful. However, if you do it, you're not going to get extra, extra ajr. That's the beautiful thing about salah, that we are obliged to pray. But every time we do our prayer, subhanAllah, it can be multiplied. You know when you come to the masjid, 25 to 27 times more. If the more the, there's sincerity, the more reward can come with it. So there is the necessity of fulfilling the obligation, but then there is, after doing it, how much can it be multiplied? Allah only knows. And so the idea here is that you're not going to get any extra ajr, but you still have the obligation to complete your prayer so they don't get punished for it. I hope that's clear. I just thought that's an important point to clarify because this issue of accepted, not accepted, it comes up. Then the hadith continues and says what? وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ 
أمر المؤمنين بما أمر به المرسلين. And he says that indeed Allah commands the believers what he commands the prophets. And then he mentions these two ayats where Allah says, eat that which is pure to the messengers. And then he says, eat that which is pure to the believers. So he's demonstrating what? A very important point. And that is that that's the whole point of messengers. That they come to be an example. They come to be followed. They are supposed to be our role models. And what's so beautiful about this point is that one of the most telling signs that there is a fake prophet or a cult leader is that you'll always notice, and if you study uh, various cults throughout history, uh, I actually had to, I had a course in this regard, it was quite interesting, talking about various, or I, I can't remember if it was a course or it was just a um, part of the um, reading that we had to do for one of the, um, for a certain degree. Anyway, point being that we had to study these various cults. And one of the fascinating qualities that you find consistently is that cult leaders will often put a lot of rules for their followers and a lot of exceptions for themselves, okay? They'll tell everybody, you need to do this, that, and the other, and make them work really, really hard, and they themselves, oh no, I'm holy. I'm special, therefore I don't have to do it, right? And clearly, you know, if you see that enough, eventually say, I, I, I you know, something, something's fishy over here. It smells, smells insincere, right? Now, when you look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ, not only do you find that he is saying, listen, what Allah commands the believers, Allah commands the, the messengers, and therefore we have to, we, we are all uh, the ibad, we are all the slaves of Allah, and we all have to follow together. That is the general rule. You do find exceptions. But what's amazing is that you find exceptions not in the way you would expect. You find exceptions in that uh, the Prophet ﷺ is held to an even higher standard. So if the Prophet ﷺ was making this up, why would he hold himself to a more difficult standard? Let's give some examples. The Prophet ﷺ was commanded in Ya Ihul Muzammil, Layla illa qalila. O you who is wrapped up, stand in the night except for a little bit. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ obeyed this command for the entirety of his life. That he would pray Qiyamul Layl, the entirety of his prophethood, 23 years. That he would pray Qiyamul Layl for large portions of the night and sleep only a little bit. SubhanAllah. Whereas the believers, only during the beginning portion of Islam, they were told. Wallah there's some differences of opinion, but from what I remember, they were told you have to pray twice a day, once in the morning time or daytime, one time in the nighttime, and try to pray at night for a portion of time. Some of them prayed longer, some of them prayed shorter, but it wasn't like you had to pray all night. It wasn't like that. Whatever you could do, whatever was convenient for you. And then only after that, Allah Ta'ala revealed after Isra wal Mi'raj that there are five daily prayers. And after those five daily prayers, prayer at night is extra. Some of the Sahaba continued. You know, some did a lot, some did a little, etc. The point being that the Prophet ﷺ always stayed up for large portions of the night to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you were faking this and making up as you go along, why would you burden yourself, especially with something so fundamental as sleep? Furthermore, the Prophet ﷺ would often fast two days in a row. This was a regular... Uh, so we, you know, from, from, dusk till, uh, from uh, dawn till dusk, excuse me, we have to, uh, during the daylight hours we fast, the Prophet ﷺ would often do two-day fast. And he would say, this is something that Allah Ta'ala has uh, granted for me. It's something extra. Furthermore, the Prophet ﷺ didn't just say, you guys go to battle and me, I'm going to stay back. The Prophet ﷺ participated in the battles. And the Prophet ﷺ, perhaps one of the most telling, is that the Prophet ﷺ gave away so much of his wealth. Now, he commanded the believers, give up how much? Zakah, 2.5% of your annual excess income, right? Which is very doable. And he encouraged them, but did not oblige them, just encouraged them to give extra when you can, and many of them did, mashallah, subhanallah. However, when it comes to the Prophet ﷺ, he always lived the most ascetic lifestyle. 
least, least luxuries. We know the famous hadith where Umar ibn al-Khattab, he comes into the room and he sees that the Prophet has marks on his back. He says, Ya Rasulullah, you're, you're sleeping on this, this, these, 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 such a coarse mat. It's so harsh. You know? And anyway, the hadith goes on. But this is the point, that the Prophet lived in a very, very humble way. So why would you do that if you were, let's say, making it up as you went along? And the only exception to this, that sometimes maybe uh, those who attack Islam, they would say is with regards to marriage. They would say, oh, the average Muslim, maximum four, right? Whereas the Prophet had more than that. Uh, it seems that you know, he was playing, uh, you know, uh, making the rules different for himself. To which, if you just analyze it a little bit, you quickly realize that subhanAllah, the Prophet was a leader of a large body of people, and he, he, was, he, was a, he was a leader that was taking care of his people, and they were attacked very often, and people would die in battle. And then after that, there were women that were left behind as widows, that had children, that had nobody to take care of them. And the Prophet all of the wives of the Prophet except for one Aisha, all of them were either divorced or widowed. And so this is subhanAllah, if you're going to claim that, oh, you know, he made an exception for himself just so he could be with more women, then the, the natural, logical thing is what? I have been, you know, I have received revelation that I must have all the youngest, most beautiful girls, you know, and you can just make something up like that up. But instead, what is it? The only thing is that when there is a woman that was left behind, she's, she's been married, she's had children, but her husband passed away in battle, they attacked us and he was killed. And now uh, I'm going to bring her into my family and take care of her. Subhanallah. So, and, and plus, don't, don't forget, look at the backdrop of everything else when it comes to praying at night, when it comes to fatting, fasting extra long, when it comes to participation in battle, when it comes to giving away more, more wealth. These are all luxuries that anybody would want to take part in, even the most basic things like sleep and food and, and comfort. And subhanAllah, the Prophet took part in none of these things. Uh, so subhanAllah. I hope we can appreciate uh, the, 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 the power and the beauty in saying that the Prophet uh, that all the Anbiya, they applied whatever they taught, and for the most part, they applied it even more so, subhanAllah. So yes, the Prophets, والسلام, are commanded to do what? Purify themselves spiritually with good deeds, and also physically by washing themselves and consuming hel uh, healthy and uh, pure food, uh, which has been uh, earned through halal means, as in business and jobs that are permissible. And in fact, subhanAllah, funny enough, the disbelievers would attack the Prophet about this. They would say to him, as Allah mentions in, the, in Surah Furqan, ayah number 7, وَقَالُوا مَا لِهَذَا الرَّسُولِ يَأْكُلُ الطَّعَامِ وَيَمْشِي فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ They would say, what is with this messenger that he eats food and walks around in the marketplace? Why does he have to work like the rest of us? Why does he have to make money, earn money with a job, go out and buy food, eat food like the rest of us, shouldn't he be more like a, an angel or something like this? So they would attack the Prophet using this. Now this isn't, anyway, we could go through the, the, the whole Surah Furqan, inshallah, and, and go do a detailed analysis of how they build up their arguments and how Allah Ta'ala destroys their arguments. It's actually quite beautiful. The Surah is uh, quite amazing. Maybe one day we'll get there, inshallah. However, there is a very simple explanation just for the sake of brevity. Yes, Prophets, all Prophets worked to be an example of how to do business, how to behave and interact with people. They didn't just stay uh, away from people in their own little uh, you know, uh, hideout or something like this, in their own basement, quote unquote. No, they would go out, interact with the people, teach us how to do business, how to interact with others, and also how to contribute to society. Isn't that the example that you want to set? Showing people that I have some sort of a trade. Whatever my trade is, the point is that it benefits and is mutually beneficial for society. This is an example to us all. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ says in, again, the Sahih Bukhari, مَا أَكَلَ أَحَدٌ طَعَامًا قَطْ خَيْرًا مِنْ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ مِنْ عَمَلِ يَدِهِ That nobody has ever eaten 
a better meal than that which he, he has earned by working with his own hands. And indeed, the Prophet of Allah, Dawood used to eat from the earnings of his own manual labor. So, this hadith is saying what? That nobody eats a meal better than the meal that they have earned by working with their own hands. Now, uh, just like before earlier, I'll ask a, a, a similar question as last time. Do you guys think this is uh, descriptive or prescriptive? <laughs> you, now you understand the question? So, again, uh, so nobody ever eats a meal better than the one that he earns by working with his own hands. Now, if this is prescriptive, then what it's prescribing is go out, work hard, earn your own money, because then when you pay for food and eat your own food that you've earned with your own hands, then the ajr is the best. Therefore, it is a prescriptive hadith. But it's also descriptive in the sense that the Prophet is saying what? You'll never eat a meal better than the one that you earned yourself. Why? Because if you eat off of your parents and you eat off of this person, eat off of that person, you're always, you know, uh, mooching and freeloading. Yeah, the food's going to taste a little bit good. But the moment you get up and go and work hard and get your first paycheck and buy your own meal and say, this is something that I deserved, you're never going to have food better than that. So it's just descriptive. It's just a fact. Now, I believe that subhanAllah, wallahu alam, it seems that both, both meanings are accurate. Uh, but probably the first one more so. That it's, it's prescriptive. It's, it's saying you should do this. You should go out and work with your own hands and don't depend on others. You should be independent. The Prophet ﷺ, all the Anbiya, you find that this is a consistent message to always be as independent as possible and work hard. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ says in another hadith, خير, uh, The best earnings are those that come from the person's own hands if he was sincere. When he, when he is sincere. Nasaha. Nasiha, right? From Nasiha, we talked about that before. Khair, inshallah. So moving on. So that's the first portion of the hadith talking about the importance of tayyib. The second portion is as follows. Think? Uh, I don't know when. So, I'll continue. Then, then he made mention of a person who... His travel was very wide. And inshallah ta'ala, we will uh, continue with this second portion in the second, uh, in the second uh, portion of this uh, hadith, inshallah.